that's good. Are you in the office just now, Westminster? I am, yep. This is my, uh, this is my Westminster. Yeah. Ooh, God. It's a lot smaller than you would think, isn't it? Yeah, there's uh, a lot of MPs to accommodate, so it's not um, it's not the most not, not everybody gets the most celebrities of offices, and I'm one of them. Yeah, I've got a nice um, view, got a view, a view of the river, though, so it's a nice area office. All right, that's all right then. Uh, how does it compare to uh, Holyrood? Uh, well, obviously, Holyrood's much uh, much more modern. Um, uh, how does it compare? Um, what, in terms of the office or just or just generally yeah trust me i'm not i'm, I'm not i'm not my podcast isn't that deep <laughs> all right <okay. laughs> so just it's, generally it's, just generally i mean it's, it's obviously a much smaller place you, you get to know people your colleagues you more msps you're you you're on, on from all parties you you're more familiar with uh when you're 650 mps you know scattered from one end of westminster to the other it's much harder to get to know people it's the same with the staff as well and there's thousands of people work here so it's um a very different environment but um it was good. It was good. Did, you, you know when you were in uh, Hollywood, um, did you get one of those cubby holes where you just... Yeah, so, so so we all got, got them. So that's one of the sort of key features of the MSP's office. And you... Um, I don't know one person various, who used it. <laughs> well, yeah. I used it when I had school visits and to, to squeeze yeah. in the, the school kids. But um, it was... Uh, yeah, it was. There was always a bit of. Um, I think it was some some MPs took some MSPs took took offence if they got a particularly white um, <laughs> thinking pod because it, they, they thought that was a reflection on how how big their, their backsides were. But uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't I didn't think too too, too much about that. <laughs> I've got some pretty um, simple questions for you today. But first off, I have gone throughout my life since I was in Kelso to where I live now. Thinking your name was John Lamont. It's Lamont. It's definitely Lamont. Yeah, it's a Scottish name. It's, it's a Gaelic name, um, which means lawman from from Shetland. Uh, and, and Norman Norman Lamont, who's another politician with, with the same name, he was Norman Lamont, and when he moved from Scotland down to to London or wherever it was he moved to initially, he he, he didn't correct people. So I have been determined to, to maintain my my lament. So yeah. um, oh, well, there you go. There you go. Um, so um, this is the Adam Talks podcast. It's going out. I talk to everybody from politics to musicians to artists and all sorts of industries. Um, uh, it's a very casual thing. I might drop a few swear words every now and again, but I'm not here to like. It, th this is the thing, I've got a few politicians lined up and others coming on as well. And the politicians are the only ones that get nervous. <laughs> They're like, okay. well, because they need, a, they need a reason for why I'm talking to them. <laughs> All right. There's only one issue that, um, that's a proper political issue, um, uh, but we'll get into that later. Um, but first of all, I was going to ask, um, what, was your what was your decision for... Um, Standing down as an MSP and becoming an MP, um, was it you've always wanted to be an MP, or, or what was the reason for that change? Because you've been pretty much you're the, probably one of the strongest Tories in Scotland right now. Whenever that map changes and it's yellow with SMP, there's always that one slither at the bottom, and it's always your area. So, um, what what was your decision for changing and becoming an MP? Um, so the first time I stood for um, election to Parliament was 2005, and that, and that was to um, 
to Westminster and I stood again in 2010, 2015, and I eventually was successful fourth time lucky 2017. Mm -hmm. Obviously, in the intervening years, I got elected to the Scottish Parliament 2007 for the first time. And um, I think unlike many other politicians, I was very committed to the borders. I was very committed to, to, to be elected in that area. It's where my parents are based. It's where my family connections are. Um, and uh, I, I think the, the, the temptation of, of other people is you, you stand the first time. And back in two, 2005, as I'm sure you, you might recall, it was a very safe liberal area i mean it'd been david Steele, archie kirkwood michael moore and there's no expectation really that much would change and by getting elected to to the to, to the scottish parliament i upset the sort of status quo of it and turned the, the, the borders conservative for the first time in many many years um so uh, I, it's, it's always been an ambition to, to be um an msp or an mp and just just make changes and change our, our society by being um, involved as opposed to one of these people who just spends all the time shouting at on TV and yeah. having very lively political debates with, with friends actually want to make a difference to people's lives and I was very keen to do that within the context context of the border so that was my so commitment to, to the borders and I was lucky enough to be elected eventually to, to be an MSP and an MP. So, so did you choose so because you were like you basically turned everything around for the Conservatives as an MSP as well in the Scottish Borders. But did you see that and go, well, I know we're likely to get this seat again, so I'm going to go as an MP? Uh, well, that how, was that so, a tactical so, thing? So, so in 2005, I, I, stood in, I was fighting against the um, Liberals. Mm. Um, by 2015, if you remember, the independence referendum had taken place and... Uh, that election was, was influenced by that, and that was when the SNP did extraordinarily well. And I was narrowly beaten by the SNP. It was just 300 votes. It was the most marginal seat in, in the whole of Scotland. Um, and it, it, was, it was very, very tight. So when the surprise general election came mm -hmm. in 2017, um, uh, obviously the, 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 there was a lot of pressure on me from, from people locally to, to stand again and try and, and try and win the seat from the SNP because there was lots of worry about another independence referendum and what that would mean for Scotland and what that, that would mean for uh, the borders. Mm -hmm. uh, because clearly the borders had voted overwhelmingly to remain part of the UK in 2014 and yet we seem to have, by uh, some would say, an accident of the voting system um, with an SNP MP who was committed to another referendum. So um, yes, it, 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 I came under a lot of pressure. I think I made the right decision because although I lost by 300 votes in 2015 come 2017, I then won the seat by 11,000 votes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, this is the contentious issue. We may as well just get out of the way so I can ask all the stupid questions I've got. Um, it's basically, I was looking up you on online, and I know you. I, I remember when Tate Hall Hustings, you were the polite, uh, charming guy who uh, would talk to everybody, no matter what their political affiliation, and, and not judge. Um, and so when I, I saw like you getting a lot of abuse, especially from nationalists, Scottish nationalists, and and others, of course, um, about this this children uh, voting. Basically, what one of the comments read, uh, "Why are you starving children?" <laughs> and uh, there was more, more, um, more abusive ones that I've seen online. Um, and I, I want to talk about that issue, like choosing to to vote that 
that labour bill down and, and why you did it, what the reasons were? Um, so, uh, I mean, the first point to make is it wasn't a labour bill. It was right. an opposition day motion, which okay. wasn't actually going to achieve anything or change anything. This was about changing um, something. Uh, well, it was, it was, it was Labour stating its position two days before the English schools went on holiday. So there was absolutely no op opportunity to actually make a practical difference in terms of um, supplying extra school meals into those schools in England, um, which might have benefited from that because you know, the kitchens would, would have been shut, the staff would have holidays planned and, and all the other practical things. So it was it was a motion, it wasn't a, a bill, an opposition day motion designed Sorry. to right. cause political disruption and um, make it difficult for the government because the, I mean, the government has spent, has spent and continues to spend billions of pounds um, supporting people during this um, pandemic, during this crisis, including um, the you know, uplift to, to universal credit, including the extra money that's gone to councils, which councils have passed on by and large to schools and other um, organisations in terms of delivering services. Um, you know, and, in, and in Scotland, the Scottish Government have received um, lots of extra money and passed on some of that to businesses and also to Scottish, Scottish Borders Council. So, for, for example, kids <coughs> in the borders will, will, will be getting free school meals as a Conservative-led council. Um, but wasn't, wasn't that a, a, a Scottish Parliament decision? Because the only yes, place that isn't getting these free school meals is England. Um, well, lots it? of councils are. Lots of councils are delivering it. That, that, that's the point I'm right. making. I'm using our, our own local council as an example. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but many councils, including the Prime Minister's own council in London, are delivering the policy because they, they have used the money which the government have given them to deliver that. And it was before Labour even started talking about it. And um, clearly annoyed by this because, like, I'm less. I'm less. I'm, I'm more annoyed about. It. So much information that goes on yeah. on so, social media, um, and when people actually look at the facts and get uh, and have an understanding of what this is about, I actually support the Rashford campaign and mm -hmm. the footballer who was behind this, and, and my colleagues in the, in the Scottish Parliament have actually put forward even more ambitious plans than what mm -hmm. Rashford has proposed, and the SNP are actually not backing that. So it's right. it's about practical delivery, is my view. It's not about grandstanding and then dominating social, so do you social media think with partisan slogans. So do you think Labour choosing two days beforehand to try and push this um, motion, uh, do, do you think they did that on purpose then, just as a grandstanding type? Of course, they did. Why, why did they not, not bring it forward three, four, four weeks ago before a celebrity footballer gets involved and actually bring, bring forward practical measures as to how they thought councils would able to do this, bearing in mind school kitchens would be closed and bearing in mind lots of staff would already be in holiday for those areas that weren't already providing it. I mean, the, the important point is many, many areas are already providing it with the extra money that the, that the government have already provided. Mm -hmm. um, but for those areas that weren't, how was it practically going to be delivered? Does it upset you uh, when people say all these, all these things uh, about, like, like, for instance, online, it gets very personal. Like, uh, People attack me all the time. I can put up one mm. status, and I'll get both sides of the same bloody coin attacking me. Does it does it affect you? Because your job is specifically to help make people's lives better, really, isn't it? It's it's to govern and make the decisions that the people want you to make. And um, does it upset you when those very people 
then start accusing you of being a child killer and all sorts of nonsense stuff. Well, I think, I think, you know, there's lots of abuse that's hurled around on social media, but what alarms me more are some of the personal threats that are made towards some of my colleagues and some of the vandalism which is taking place outside MPs' offices, which is mm-hmm. obviously much wider than just the MP. I mean, clearly MPs are people. MPs have, are, are individuals with, with, with feelings and have families. Who they it's are easy to about. forget we, that sometimes, though. But, but we also have staff members who work in these offices. Yeah. And if there's people yeah. hurling stones at an MP's office and breaking windows... Um, or other intimidating behaviour, phone calls, aggressive phone calls to staff members, that's just not acceptable. Well, not it's, acceptable. It's undemocratic it's not, as well. It's not how you have a debate. I mean, everybody's yeah. entitled to, to their view, um, and we, we exercise that view by casting our votes at election mm-hmm. time. You don't do it by intimidating um, either politicians or people who have different views to your own through social media. Yeah, but Alan Smith touched on the same thing, and he, he said that every abuse, like like there's a whole team of police now working around the clock for mm. whenever you get sent an abusive message, it gets sent to them and stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, I think the other, the other important point to make about social media, which, you know, if you look at my Facebook page, for example, you know, I remember before the last election, um, you know, I was getting lots of abuse and lots of comments about all sorts of things, Brexit and God knows mm. what else. Um, and people who were you know, supporters of mine who might, might might not have been looking, or sorry, might not have been participating in the, the discussions, but were just looking at it, were like, oh my goodness, John, how, how on earth are you going to win? All these people are against you, and they yeah. all seem to be local. And I, th- I think we have to remember, and this, this is this is important, I think, in the context of the um, of, of, of the American election, which is happening today, um, that the people who engage in these discussions and the people who are particularly active are not representative of wider society. No, my wider constituency. So the people who are throwing pelters at me and, and for the ordinary bystander who thought, my goodness, this is, this is going to be a terrible election for John, but they, they were really surprised when we got like 25,000 votes. We're pretty, <laughs> there weren't 25,000 people saying positive things about you on Facebook. I said, well, of course not. Of course not. Yeah. <laughs> That's just not how it was. Most people are just bystanders who look at it, but they don't engage in these, these types of argy bargy discussions discussions on facebook or, or twitter um and uh, but there are a lot of um keyboard warriors out there who but at least yeah, exactly other astonishing things sometimes i meet these these people either because i'm on this on the street or I'm, i go to the door when i'm knocking on doors and uh <laughs> all of us are completely <laughs> different people they're all trying to be nice it's like well i read some of your comments yeah. Because I've got quite a good memory. So sometimes when you see the name on the voters list, all of a sudden the penny sort of drops and yeah, um, yeah. they become very uncomfortable. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Alan Smith spoke about something similar as well. Um, I was I was going to say, like, are, are you going to move on to TikTok now that Facebook is for the, yeah. the oldies? Are you going to get so I'm on, TikTok? I'm, I'm on. No, I don't have TikTok. I've got, uh, I tried Snapchat for a bit, but I didn't, I didn't, uh, engaged with that and i've got instagram uh so it's facebook instagram and um twitter are the three sort of on the website but it's this is my problem with politicians you need on tiktok you need to have your shirt off on tiktok dancing around to all the videos Uh, that's 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 the future of politics unfortunately john 
<laughs> okay. Uh, I'm not sure that'll get, get me many extra votes. <laughs> uh, are you still jogging? Because about well, it was about six years ago I was living in Kelso and, and you were always constantly doing your runs and your marathons and stuff. Did yeah, so, so yeah, yeah. Well I did I did too too much running during um lockdown. So I managed to do from from my home in Coldstream, I was doing uh I my, my when lockdown started, I thought I need to have like a plan here. Uh, because all my usual sort of swimming and other things I might have been able to do was wasn't going to be able to happen. So I tried to do 10k every day during during lockdown. So I got to day 60, and I realised that I completely messed up my knees. Uh, so I've been a sort of, been in a sort of recovery zone the last probably five or six weeks, just sort of resting my knees completely yeah. um, and doing doing more gym work and uh, hoping to get back into into the swimming pool and Kelso pretty soon. So. Um, oh God! Is there still a swimming pool in Kelso? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that? Oh, okay. When, when was the last time you were in Kelso, Adam? I don't know. It was about six or seven years. I was right. ran out of town. <laughs> I yeah, wasn't run. I wasn't run out of town. Um, <laughs> uh, here's another question. Um, not necessarily uh, political. Well, I suppose every question is really. Um, Brexit's coming soon. You must be dead excited for that. <laughs> um, is that going to be good for the farmers? You've got to ignore party political lines. Just, just is Brexit going to be good for farmers? Um, well, the UK government's committed to the same level of financial support as what currently exists under the common ag agricultural policy, the CAP. So in terms of um, where farmers get most of their income, and that's mm -hmm. going to be preserved as part of the the, 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 the new version of the CAP. I mean, it's important to, to, to note, which, which again gets lost in a lot of this, is that the EU are reviewing the cap. Anyway, the CAP was under massive provisions and farmers in the UK were going to be under severe pressure to defend their funding allocation um, relative to other parts of the EU, where arguably some of their farmers were in more of more of need of financial support. Uh, but notwithstanding that, the UK government has uh, committed to, to, to maintaining the level of support, the financial level of support under the current parliament or in I, I, the, the, the current parliament. So, I mean, that that's that's important. But also in terms of trading op opportunities, I mean, you, you know- That's what I'm gonna you know. talk about. Like, yeah. uh, so I'm, I'm living out here in Italy right now with my husband, yeah. um, who's uh, working for NATO. And uh, they've got this American base. And whenever the Americans have a base anywhere, it's like a mini America. It's like the Truman Show. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, on the base, you get all the meat, um, uh, all the frozen American meat. And it's mm. all, it's dirt cheap. It really is dirt cheap. You're getting a rack of ribs for like pennies. Um, that must be a worry for, for you because you are such an advocate for farmers. That must be a worry if we have a trade deal with America. Because I can, um, I, and, I can imagine that they're they're going to be an influx of meat, and it's going to be dirt cheap. So, so the dirt cheap meat that you that is consumed on the base is dirt cheap because it is on the base. On the base, that's, yes. That's but, that's American territory. If you go into the Italian shops, but even even if just cool. looking, even if just looking at the price of meat in America compared um, to the price of meat in the UK, it is yeah. considerably cheaper. So, well, there's That's two different a, points there. I mean, the, the shops in Italy okay. will not be selling that meat because the EU and the US do not have a trade deal yet. TTIP was was kiboshed. Yeah. It was stopped. Um, the meat that is sold, if, if that meat were to be sold in the UK, it would have to comply with our food standards. 
legislation, the 1990 Food Standards Act, which stops, you know, for example, it stops hormone injected beef, it stops chlorinated washed chicken. All these things are not allowed within the UK. So all those so scare even, stories, even was, all those scare stories about chlorinated chicken, you're saying they wouldn't be on our shelves. So, 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 so no food can be consumed, imported or sold in the UK unless it meets our standards. And so and, for that, and our standards are going to be the exact same, almost well, exact I, same as when well, we were part of Europe. Well, well, just, well, just as Europe could change its laws or yeah. the EU, the, there's nothing I can do in this current, I mean, I don't think the current parliament, the current flock of MPs across the House would vote, I certainly wouldn't vote to, to reduce standards, I certainly would not yeah. vote to allow chlorinated chicken or hormone-injected hormone hormone beef. And I think that's consistent across all, or most MPs, I think, would take that view. Now, I can't say what will happen after the next election. I, I might be gone and a whole lot of other MPs might get elected. And that's just the way Parliament works. See, mm. Parliament cannot bind the successors. That's a very important fundamental principle of our democracy. We cannot bind. We, we can't pass laws today to stop our, our, our successors future. doing yeah, things yeah. In, yeah. in the future. So at the moment, there's nothing that allows food to be imported and consumed or sold in the UK unless it meets our standards. And that, that applies to any food products, regardless of where they come from within the world. So you're saying you're you're such you're such a good politician. <laughs> so you're saying that you're not you're not worried essentially about a trade deal with America in causing well, hardship I, for farmers here in, in Scotland. I spoke, sorry. I spoke to, when I speak to farmers, many farmers in my constituency are very excited about the opportunities of exporting more. Um, and th they are comfortable yeah, that um, th th there are greater benefits from trade deals um, mm -hmm. for all parts of the I mean, If you have a healthy economy, mm -hmm. creating because businesses in the borders are able to do trade. So, for example, the textiles sector in Hoyk and, and, and Selkirk and other parts of the borders are able to export more. There's more people with well-paid jobs. That means they have more money to spend in local shops and local farm shops. So you have a... <laughs> You know, it, it all has a domino effect in terms of yeah, the yeah. overall wealth of our society and people's ability to spend their money on things that they, that they choose. The one thing I do think we need to do more of, more, more, more effectively, and this is, again, something we can do after we leave the European Union, is ensure that our labelling is clear so that people know, so the consumer knows when they're buying food where it has come from and where it's come from a farm down the road in, in, in Kelso or, or wherever done's or whether it has been imported and very often it's not entirely clear when when you go into the shops um where food has come for, for, for from or what its air air miles might be so you're not concerned whatsoever about um having a trade deal with america then in the future a trade deal with the us is a good thing for jobs locally well, i'm not i'm not questioning that i'm just worried about um I, i'm just worried about uh, farmers being undercut on meat that's as simple as that but how, but how would I mean, if people if because when consumers... you open a market when you open a global uh, a market well, we're already a global market but when you open up that sector to a much bigger larger sector it makes sense that um, we'll be selling high-end beef to them for example uh, we'd be selling high-end beef to americans on the stores it'll say like scotch beef or whatever they want to call it um, mm. and then in return we'll get an influx of cheese so 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 Adam, what's the difference when you go into Sainsbury's in Kelso, and obviously you haven't done that for a long time, but imagine you were back in Kelso and you went into Sainsbury's and there's a lasagna there that you can buy for 99 pence, mm -hmm. or further down the shelf you can buy a lasagna for 7.99, same size. Yeah. 
Will you go for the 99 pence one? So the, so the consumer is already making those choices between... Well, yes, of is, course, I mean, but... Those, those, that food already complies with our standard. There's a vast difference. And it's the same when you buy your six pack of eggs. There's a big difference between the pack that costs, you know, tens Absolutely. of pence as opposed but that's to... All so, within, that's all within our own wee economy. But when you bring in America, uh, that but, but doesn't that point, change things? The food standards, as I said earlier, food yeah. consumed, sold... Or imported into the UK has to comply with our standards. So yes, there might be an extra option on that ray of on that shelf of lasagnas or that short shelf of eggs. That all of a sudden there are American eggs or an American lasagna, mm. and the price will be there and the label will, will be there to make it very clear where it's come from. But are you arguing against choice? No, but what that then does, very good. You can tell you've done law. <laughs> um, no, what that then does is takes away from the poor old wifey down the road who's um, got 72 chickens all laying eggs. It takes away from her. So it there. expands the choice, but it reduces the amount of capacity that she can make by selling her well, eggs. Well, I mean, the borders farmers that I speak to, and I think this applies across the Scottish industry, I mean, they are confident they are producing high quality, right. and they are producing high quality products that oh, are yeah. competing currently within the, the, the EU market, which is you know, a big market in itself, and certainly a, a lot of them are, are looking forward to the opportunity of the the, the markets will, which will open up, which which the which the EU were not able to. I mean, there's, there's a number of places which the EU have not been able to secure deals with, and mm -hmm. hopefully the UK will, will will be able to do that. Now, I'm not against trade. I'm very much in favour of trade. I voted for the trade bill, which rolled over all the existing trade deals which we currently benefit from, and the SNP voted against that. I voted, I'm in favour of trade deals with these new countries as well, and some other opposition parties seem to be completely opposed to that. And that's, <laughs> I think I just don't understand that. It's about jobs. You know when you're out like for a meal with uh, your friends, yeah. does, it, does it get more political than it should or do you do you still do that th thing where like because all the politicians do this every single politician does this where they go oh, oh we're we're thinking of this but they did that um do you find yourself when you're out for a meal with family doing the exact same thing well sometimes but i mean i think my family <laughs> understands if if i'm not at uh, work i don't necessarily want to be talking about politics well, the exactly. time. so no, I, get I, try, I try and uh, resist as much as i can where are you gonna uh, go on your first holiday once this COVID nineteen stuff has been? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It was off. Um, it was a recess week last week for the school half term. Um, I didn't really turn into much much of a holiday. But uh, I mean, I do. I do like my travel, but I don't know where I'll, I'll end up going. It's, no. Um, yeah. What about Machu Picchu? Have you been there? <laughs> I've not been there. My parents were there last year on a big trip around South America, and they and they uh, loved it. But um, do you recommend it? I've not fucking been. I've been nowhere. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Um, Trump or Biden? In terms of... Who's going to win? Not who you well, support, I, I, but who's going to win? Well, it's, it's, I, don't, I, don't, I don't say anything publicly on, on who I would vote for, but it's just not... Um, eh. No, 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 I'm not asking who you'd vote so, for. No, no, I know, I know. That, that, I'm, I'm just going to right. go on to say that I think it's going to be incredibly close. I think I think uh, I think it's likely that well, it's almost certain that Biden will win the popular vote by quite a large margin. But if you look at the polling in some of the key spattered yeah. states, there's definitely in the last 40 hours been quite a significant uptick in uh, in Trump's support. Yeah. Uh, and I just think 
it could be another extraordinary election where you end up uh, with the president losing the most votes, or not winning the most votes, rather, but winning the Electoral College. Well, there we go. So you're a supporter of Trump. Um, <laughs> finally. I didn't, I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm a supporter of elections and the democratic process and uh, the American process is, is intriguing. And what is, um, what, 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 what's the main things you want to focus on in the future as a Tory in Westminster? In terms of politics. So, I mean, clearly the, the recovery from, from COVID is going to be a big, a big challenge for our society in terms of, um, clearly the UK government's done a huge amount in terms of supporting jobs during the last um, six months, but uh, the worry is that there'll be parts of the economy which will see structural damage which will result in, in job losses and we need to ensure that we we um, don't want to use a sound bite, that we bounce back as, as quickly and as strongly as we possibly can, but mm. um, it's it's going to be tough. Uh, I mean, locally, there's, there's, it's, it's the same challenges, but then there's issues about connectivity, broadband, you know, railway connection, extending the borders, railway getting roads improved. Um, but um, there's certainly enough to um, to keep me keep me um, in, in occupied. Do you genuinely think, um, like, that there's been a few times where Boris is? Have you have you not sat there and gone, oh, Boris, why would you say that? Why would you do that? There must be a few times where you've gone, oh, come on, get to grips. I'm not saying. Well, Boris... um, by the way, I'm not saying Nicholas Sturgeon is any better. And I'm definitely not saying that. She's a better communicator. I'd 100% say that. But I think this, the same situation is happening throughout the whole of Britain. But there, there must be times when What's-His-Face was sitting in the Rose Garden doing that, that apology. You must have gone, oh, my God, what's happening here? Surely. So I think all politicians who find themselves in high office have a, have a sort of charisma to them and a, and a, a sparky personality. And I don't think uh, Boris Johnson is any, is any different. And he, uh, I mean, it's, 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 people often forget, given what's happened in the last nine months, that he, he, he secured an 80-vote majority for the, for the Conservatives and, mm-hmm. and Commons, the best Conservative election success since uh, before you were born, Adam, back in 1987 when Mrs. Thatcher secured her yeah. third election. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, people forget that. So he does have, as much as the people in the bubble of social media don't don't um, often say very oh, nice things I, about him. I, just, I honestly... Just, just, just as we discussed before, it was very clear large parts of England, I, I accept in particular, were very, very receptive to him. Honestly, absolutely. No, I can see um, how that kind of blah, 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 blah. It is charming. But, um, and, and I can see why he's popular in England um, and, and I understand why he's not popular in Scotland by a lot of people. But what I'm saying is the handling of this, the handling of COVID, which has been a massive fuck up from all the countries around the world. Um, surely Boris Johnson right now, you, you must have seen him a few times uh, some of his speeches, some of the things he said, shaking hands with people, <laughs> uh, getting getting coronavirus in the first place. You must you must go. Oh come on, Boris, just t- take a day off. And, and and I suppose that's why he doesn't do interviews anymore because he's taking a day off. No. Well, the virus is very, it's very contagious. I don't think you can blame the prime minister for getting COVID. But uh, as you and as you, as you said in, <laughs> in, in your in your question, you, you you made the very important point. I won't use you, your language, but in every country mm-hmm. around the world, they, they have struggled to, to, to manage this. And I don't, it is a bit, bit uh, 
I don't know why Boris and the Prime, why the Prime Minister should 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 be judged by a higher standard compared to any other president president or Prime Minister around around the world who, who have all been struggling with this. Um, well, we well yes, um, I get that, I understand that, but are you telling me categorically that you've got because I know I know uh, Conservative politicians in Westminster who have grave doubts about him and they want to replace him with Rishi Sunak, so. Um, is there an unwavering loyalty towards Boris Johnson? Is what I'm saying. And well, I, 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 I'm very clear. I backed Jeremy Hunt in the. I love Jeremy Hunt. Oh, I'm not uh, meant to say that, but I did. I love Jeremy Hunt. Do you remember so, when he was shaking his bell and then? Yeah, it fell apart. <laughs> yeah. The bell fell apart. Oh um, God, I love him. So, so, so I, I, I um. I was very clear back back then, but I lost that that contest. So I I, I very much um, believe that you have to support the the um, person who has the job of prime minister and who's lead, leader of the party oh, of because unless we all all unite, the electorate don't like divided parties. Um, and I, th I think um, who's you know, it's a very difficult time to be prime minister just now. Of course, it's um, you know David Mundell. What was his job again? Secretary of Secretary was, for Scotland. Secretary of State. And and what what's the 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 new Secretary of State for Scotland? What's his uh, name? Alistair Jack. Alistair Jack. Um, I thought that would be a job that you would be you'd be really good at. Have you ever thought about it? Well, it was not a matter of. Um, <laughs> it's not a matter of applying for it. You have to wait to be asked. And I backed the other person in the leadership campaign. No so way. That is not how politics work. You stab the other person in the back and then you take their place. He's obviously... I've seen House of Cards. I've seen House of Cards. That's not how I do it. Okay, fair enough. Well, thank you for doing this. I'm sure you'll think bizarre podcast. Um, That's all. Good fun. Do, nice, do, nice, to, nice to chat. Don't worry that there'll be about 10 people who listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it's good to hear from you again. And uh, yeah. anything else Take you want to say? Want to no, say yeah, something? Want to say something incriminating? <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay, right. It's good to see you again, John. <laughs> yeah, take care. Bye-bye. Cheers, Adam.